The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Good morning, Matt Waldman. Welcome home. Looks like a luster's vacation out in the San Francisco area for you. Uh, glad you made it back. Yeah, thank you. It, w- it went well. I think Kyle Shanahan now has figured out some things, but, you know, probably <clears throat> well, I'm Maybe I'll have figured out some things. Uh, well, I'm hoping you came back some, with, with some intelligence because we're going to get into some 49ers-related issues here on the Field or Fuck It podcast. Welcome in, everybody. We do this every Monday. Uh, just try and sort through some things and without getting too deep, but just deep enough to make sure we've covered the bases and uh and so i guess that i guess we'll start out there have been some things that have happened over the course of time so i want to start with tyreek hill um uh, investigation seems to be over but the so tyreek hill allegedly assaulted somebody there's apparently video of it our friend drew davenport has discussed it on his twitter feed at f at drew f davenport ff you should check his twitter feed out because there's great stuff on there in the legal front but but like tyreek hill's a little problematic in that he has a history of issues and the NFL may decide to do something. So just a concern for Tyreek Hill at this moment, feel it or fuck it. Um, I would say overall, fuck it. Um, if you're talking about a long sus- suspension, but I think there will be a suspension based on the fact that there is video and there has been past behavior. It's probably going to be a short one. It shouldn't impact where you draft him to a, a great extent. Um, so overall, yeah, it's a fuck it situation for me. How about you? Uh, pretty much the same. All these things in the moment seem a lot worse. You know, I'm sitting here working on final magazines and you, you know, the consideration now is how much do I want to play this up? It's huge in the moment, but is it something we'll even be discussing in September or to the degree we'll be discussing? You don't really know. So if you're drafting right now, you're drafting in the moment, you're drafting with the information available. If you want to find a different lane, I'll talk about this a lot, and you know, if you're in a lot of best balls like I am, uh, you know, you, it's like driving down the highway. You see a pothole, you just switch lanes, right? You, you know, there's a, there are other guys in that same general price range that I feel comfortable drafting, and and if I have plenty of Tyreek shares, I hope it all works out well. If I get more information going forward, hell, I'll jump in and drive over that patch pothole. And similar things with, uh, I mean, so. I'm just interested, Devontae Adams, his case has been resolved, or at least the legal portion of his case, where he shoved the photographer after the game in Kansas City. Uh, the the local authorities in Kansas City will not be pressing charges. Um, but this opens the door. The case is resolved. Uh, so if the league wanted to do something, the league could do something. He doesn't have a big history or any level of concern there. Or, or you know, just, you know, fuck this. It's over. I'm more concerned about his happiness in, ah. L- in Las Vegas than I am about um, what happened in Kansas City, and I, I, you know, I haven't seen all the different angles of whether he should have shoved the guy or not, or was trying to create space. He apologized. Or, but, you it, know. No, I mean it was just it was like it was a heat of the moment. It was a bad moment for him. He acknowledged it after the fact. The cameraman who is a contractor working for ESPN, a freelancer, is suing the Raiders, Devonte Adams, I think the Chiefs too. You know, or, you know he's. He's out there. So, you know, this is just the legal system has ended. And that's sometimes when the NFL gets involved. My guess is if they do, it's going to be a fine. Yeah. Uh, I guess slap on the wrist or something. And so we'll keep watching those. We'll keep watching Alvin Kamara. That one hasn't changed any. Joe Mixon, little little change there. You didn't, the fact now that the, the, you know, the reporting out of Cincinnati, Paul Denner Jr. from The Athletic reporting that 
oh, wow, maybe he needs to take a pay cut to stick around. Hell, this thing's been like a roller coaster. Are you feeling our fucking Joe Mixon right now at his current price, which is pretty damn reasonable, right? I mean, he's a value because of all the uncertainty. I'm feeling it because I think a lot of this talk from the local beat writers is probably a little bit of a fever dream about Chase Brown um, and feeling like that they have something there. And I think that by the, you know, I think Chase Brown can become a starter in the NFL. But let's let's get this clear. Joe Mixon is one of the better talents at the position in the NFL. That there's a little bit of a gulf there between these two guys, and I think that their depth they're going to look at their depth chart and realize that they've had a lot of fever dreams about some players below Joe Mixon that haven't quite worked out right now. If if anything, I would be more inclined to bet that. Um, that the Bengals, if they want to get rid of Joe Mixon, they'll be adding a Dalvin Cook um, right. to the mix. Or if they have, if they want to roll with Chase Brown because they're cheap, which they've notoriously been in, you know, at least in years prior to what this recent iteration is, maybe they'll go with a see if they can get a price cut on Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. or Ezekiel Elliott to be kind of a a veteran in the room who can help the rookie get a little bit better. And I would count more on Kareem Hunt than I would on Ezekiel Elliott because I think Ezekiel Elliott would like to come in and basically prove to the league that he's still a very good back. Yeah, there you have it. So uh, current underdog ADP on Joe Mixon is round five. Uh, I'm feeling round five Joe Mixon wherever he is. So uh, obviously a lot of people have those concerns. So a little bit of chatter. Kyler Murray, we don't know what the short-term prognosis is. No timetable for his return to action. We expect it to be at some point. He's coming off a torn ACL, suffered very late in the year for the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of things going on in Arizona. The Cardinals appear to me to be tanking a bit. Uh, so let me ask you this. Feeling or fucking Kyler Murray's long-term future as an Arizona Cardinal? Um, I am I'm feeling him as a fantasy option. I'll answer that first. Um, as a quarterback that I would want to draft if I were getting the chance to be in the league from that perspective, I'd say fuck it because I want quarterbacks who I think are better in the pocket um, and who can buy time more efficiently than what Kyler Murray does. And then there's all the, the maturity questions about how he got on with the past staff and you know, and how people perceive his work ethic and all the little things that kind of seem to bubble to the surface, true or not. So I think the long-term future in Kyler Murray, I'm going to say fuck it. I think it's going to be a little shakier. I think he's going to want out, and I think that the the Cardinals are probably going to oblige him. Right. Obvious complication is he just signed a big contract. Uh, nothing probably isn't insurmountable at some point. I'm sure there'll be some... It just seems like this is the cardinally thing to do. Ask Josh Rosen. He'll tell you. Uh, they aren't necessarily stuck on these uh, first-round quarterbacks. Uh, sometimes they're willing to move on. Uh, so... Honestly, I'm not feeling his long-term future as if, you know, yeah. I just, I, I don't feel it. Yeah. Not just in Arizona, just, you know, look, I get the questions that, you know, that there's a lot of he says, she says there, but the fact that Arizona put a clause into his initial contract saying he had to do a certain amount of, you know, put a certain amount of effort into his off-field studies. I mean, that's a concern in general, right? Maybe I mean, you, you should know. have played baseball, you know? Right. I mean, let's even go far that far back. It just seems like, there's a series of little things that when you add them up, you're just like, that's a big deal. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't want to bad about the guy. And obviously the Cardinals have put a lot of information out there when Chris Morton's is out there saying that, you know, people with the team are saying, 
uh, they don't like his work ethic or they don't like his body language or they don't like his ability to be a leader. You know, I mean, connect the dots and he's getting that from somewhere inside the building. And so they're they're advertising their beliefs on him, which seems like I'm not feeling that because uh, but but also I kind of am as the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, what a stupid thing to to badmouth a guy you might be looking to, to sell at a high price. Anyway, uh, Bob McManaman of the Arizona Republic, who has a tricky name to say uh, it has for many years. Congratulations on that, Bob. Um, uh, he did a little speculative piece for the Arizona Republic. Could Clayton Toon be an option to start at the Cardinal, start a quarterback this year over Colt McCoy? Are you feeling that or fuck that? Ability, you know, pure ability-wise, there's a chance. Um, but I think that cl the biggest thing about Clayton Toon is maturity of decision-making and consistent <clears throat> accuracy. Um, he makes some wild plays. He's a good athlete. He has the size and arm that you're looking for. And you can look at some of those moments on tape, especially if you're a beat writer or, or a fantasy football analyst, and you, and you see those wild plays, and you go, there's something there. And that's, that's true. But, you know, we saw the same thing with Zach Wilson. We saw the same with Drew Locke and, and you know, Mitchell Trubisky. Wild play, it's the small plays. It's the non-wild plays that really make a difference. And right now, he doesn't have those. He's the guy that they might say, you know what? We're not doing well this year. Colt McCoy has, you know, we know who he is. Let's give Toon an opportunity to prove that he can be something in this league, i.e. we're tanking, kind of like uh, Ryan Finley. Caleb Williams, come on down. Uh, yeah. so, so, I mean, the Cardinals are going to have a lot of picks early next year. I'm kind of with you. I feel like this is the pursuit of Brock Purdy, right? Yeah. Like every team is open now to the notion that they can draft some guy, a quarterback, who they have a feeling about and that maybe he'll turn into that thing. And, uh, you know, good luck on that. Uh, kind of a semi-related note here to Arizona. Jonathan Gannon, now the head coach there. Uh, Shane Steichen, now the head coach of the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, are you feeling uh, levels of concern uh, for the Eagles losing both coordinators? Is that going to be an issue, feel or fuck it, Matt Walden? It can be, I think, when it comes to winning and losing some close games. I think that will probably be the thing. Or if there's a player who's who was doing well last year who winds up not producing as well and they feel like it has to do with how they're used. Um, but I think there's plenty of good coordinators in the league. I think overall... It's how they're managed and the opportunities that they're going to get. And I think they're going to, you know, Nick Sirianni's probably going to has a good thumb on who he wanted to bring up and who he'll have to replace things and they'll get things tweaked. Um, and to me, a good offensive line and defensive front erases a lot of issues. Um, and I think that the, they're good enough on both sides of the ball in the trenches that this is going to be a non-issue. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, 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 like, I think this all points to the head coach and getting things organized, and they have brought a couple of coordinators. They'll be fine. Um, I just kind of uh, related note, because I, I thought it was interesting, you know, the John Gannett and tampering thing. There's been some interesting chatter out there about that. You know, was he fully focused on the Super Bowl? And and uh, just the interesting stuff there. So we'll see what he does in Arizona. 49ers, Matt Mayoko of the uh, Bay Area, NBC Sports Bay Area uh, outlet, kind of threw out there recently that he feels like the 49ers are going to be more aggressive on offense. He threw, he had some reasons for this. Uh, they'll have Christian McCaffrey from day one. They can team him up with Kittle and obviously Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Shanahan has demonstrated a lot of faith in quarterback Brock Purdy. Expected him back. 
And the 49ers will no longer be able to sue them anytime they get around the 30-yard line. They have an automatic three points because Robbie Gould is no longer there. Uh, Myoko believes that he's been covering this team a long time. This will prompt Shanahan to be more aggressive. I feel like having a quarterback and those pieces are the things that will do this. So I'm kind of feeling a more aggressive approach. I'm kind of excited about it. Can you throw some cold water on that, or are you also feeling it? <laughs> I like the idea. Um, I, I do, too. I do. I, I really do. <laughs> um, and I... And I, you know, I'd like to joke that I, that I came into, that I, that I found my way into a 49ers office and got to yell at Mike, at Kyle Shanahan and say, don't fuck up the use of Christian <laughs> McCaffrey because of your ego and your attachment to your system. But, you know, obviously I don't think I would be allowed within probably 20 miles of that facility. Um, but seriously, I, that's the thing I don't trust is Kyle Shanahan Kyle Shanahan pretty much likes his toys and how he likes to use his toys. And, but at the same time, I would have to think that the, the front office basically said, I'm tired of you tinkering with these, um, with, you know, having a, we keep drafting you instinctive cerebral runners and you keep trying to sign or roll with these like non-thinking fast guys who, who basically, you say, just go here. Don't think about anything. Just do what I exactly what I tell you, Atanamatan. You know, so I think with McCaffrey, there's no choice because you know they basically painted Shanahan into a corner, saying because if you don't use McCaffrey the way you're supposed to, you're going to be the idiot in the room. You know, right. and I think that's what's happening there. That's what's going to happen there. But do I <laughs> think Shanahan's going to suddenly make do a ton of creative things with McCaffrey I'm still kind of I'm still kind of skeptical about it McCaffrey but McCaffrey will have more latitude to make cutbacks and to make decisions that make him an all-star um so it that may open up the offense a little bit more but I don't know if it's going to be like I, I I'm I'm not feeling the idea of Shanahan being the reason why as much as he has a great system his 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 ego attachment to his system i think is his limitation and the reason why if he loses his job it'll be because the 49ers get this close for the next year or two and the gm and the coach have a falling out and somehow the gm wins or they both lose, uh, which is entirely lose. possible now. Yes. Um, so kind of a related note, and I, I think this is an extension of the of what you were just talking about. Adam Schefter on the Pat McAfee show, um, you know, he thinks Brock Purdy will be ready to start week one. I think it's becoming more apparent that the 49ers certainly believe that. Uh, and uh, so Schefter went on to suggest that he believes Sam Darnold will be the number two quarterback ahead of Trey Lance. I'm feeling this. For everything you just said about Kyle Shanahan, this is a Kyle Shanahan thing. You, you know, he sometimes is at odds with the scouting people. You would think he would be all, like all in on the selection of that quarterback, um, but you know, again, we've discussed on this very podcast that you know, when it comes to quarterbacks, you know, freelancing or not executing the offenses he wants it executed, he's kind of a fucking guy. How about you? Yep, I would completely agree with all that. Trey Lance will be somewhere else within within the next 12 months he'll be on another team he was a young guy on top of it so younger probably didn't handle this with the level of maturity in-house that maybe the team would have liked um so that that might be a possible thing i'm not saying it happened i'm just saying if i were to look at it i would expect that or i would say kyle shanahan 
once he doesn't like a guy will nitpick the fuck out of every little thing to to make sure that he drives his point home that see we shouldn't have taken him see that's not what I wanted I don't want rookie quarterbacks you know that kind of thing so I yeah I'm not buying it I mean Mike Sh- and he learned from the best I mean the best at manipulation was his daddy his daddy fucked up Jake Plummer's career his daddy did a lot to fuck up Robert Griffin um, be, by basically triangulating Robert Griffin with Daniel Snyder and basically trying to say, Robert Griffin came to my office as a rookie after his rookie season and said he wanted to be trained and developed like a full-fledged pocket quarterback and he wanted input on the plays. And here's Shanahan post-career telling a Washington media outlet on on air how... Well, I I don't blame Robert for this, but no rookie asked for this type of thing. Obviously, Snyder put him up to it. I asked around from scouts, and they're like, no, about 80% of the young quarterbacks get that opportunity that Shanahan's saying it was unheard of. It's just Shanahan basically being Shanahan. And, you know, know, Shanahan took out the best play that Jake Plummer was great at that gave him a Pro Bowl caliber season and got the Broncos – you know, gave basically earned him the Broncos locker room and a, and a, a AFC championship appearance. But those interceptions that he threw that were freelance type of plays, it was over. It was over <laughs> from Shanahan at that point. He took out those plays the next year. Got, you know, Broncos struggled on offense. Bring in Jay Cutler. You know, and Shanahan's, Shanahan was an expert at that. I'm sure the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. In related note, Jake Plummer as the uh, farmer uh, in Denver uh, with his mushroom business uh, blooming. Feeling the snake as a mushroom seller, huh? Yeah, totally feeling that. And I would say after after everything that he went, after everything that, how his career ended, I'm sure that he, I, I'm glad for him if it's <clears> working out. So the Dallas Cowboys offense was one of the top scoring offenses in football last year. 52 touchdowns, that's a good amount. I like that number. Um, And uh, so if it ain't broke, why fix it? Well, apparently because Mike McCarthy wants to. Are you feeling this Cowboys offense with Mike McCarthy as a play caller over Kellen Moore? Yeah, I'm going to feel it, even though there's a part of me that's scared to say that. Um, At the same, you know, there is some, you know, maybe he's not the greatest head coach, um, Maybe there's things that you can criticize with him, but I find that we tend to, with coaches and with GMs, we don't let people learn their lessons, and I think that's can be that can be a mistake. We also have to understand that the Cowboys have a healthy Michael Gallup back. Brandon Cooks is a nice addition, still a quality wide receiver in this league. I think the tight ends are going to be one year better, and Jake Ferguson is an interesting. Um, option Peyton Hendershot people will always add on to that afterwards um, and say what about him and there's also um, you know I'm going to look at that from that perspective they have three good receivers and I think a a decent receiving tight end who's on the rise even if Luke Schoonmacher doesn't if Luke Schoonmacher doesn't just overtake him right away so there's enough firepower there with Dak Prescott that I'm I don't think we're going to see a severe drop-off. I think, if anything, we're going to see maybe a, a slight increase. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Travis Etienne, the uh, Jaguars, uh, both Doug Peterson and the running backs coach there, say they expect to get more out of him this year. Can they? Is it on them or is it on Etienne? Feel that or fuck? I think it's, I think it's on Etienne um, because he has to be better as a decision-maker. 
between the tackles. That's one of the things he has to do. He has to stop making stupid mistakes couched between awesome plays. Um, he is a, he is, he is a, he has the potential to be what people thought um, DeAndre Swift should be, um, but never is going to become, um, at least on a year-to-year basis. And and but I think the thing with Etienne is that he's kind of a makes two good plays, makes one bad play, and he's been in that mode. And I think that's more what they're expecting. And part of it is is they probably are going to tell the public that it's that he's a because he's a smaller player, they don't want to run him into the ground. So we're going to have more of a committee. But I think that's probably a nice way of of putting it. And really, what's going on is that a they they maybe they also or they feel like that if he wears down a bit, then he makes mental errors, and maybe they want to preserve him a little bit more so he can be more efficient. Average five yards carry last year. I'm not sure how much more they expect to get out of him. Uh, I do think they've shored up the position behind him with Tank Bigsby and Dearness Johnson. So I think I think they have some concerns that maybe they're you know trying to get a little more out of him. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to do it. Not feeling that, feeling a feeling like a lesser workload coming for Travis Etienne. I would so agree. Not, not buying him 100 percent in 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 current drafts at his current price. Um, <clears throat> Buffalo. All right, all right. So. Stephon Diggs, we have had a series of issues that dates back to the end of the season. He had, you know, left the locker room in, in a fit of anger. <clears throat> and uh, and then we come back and we head into the OTAs. He's not there for OTAs. We get into minicamp. There is a mandatory minicamp. He's not there. He is there. He's, there's an issue. There's not an issue. Uh, then, you know, the issue with the coach, we hear all kinds of reporting that there is indeed an issue, that it didn't like the way the season ended. Didn't like the his input into the play calling. Uh, he's a big fan of Brian Dayball, maybe less so of Ken Dorsey. Uh, also hearing that perhaps he would like them to get DeAndre Hopkins and they're not putting an effort into that. We're hearing a lot of things. Then we hear uh, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are extended. Uh, it's all, uh, all is well in Buffalo. Feel it <laughs> it's not well, I think, from the standpoint for them and Diggs. And, and that's a significant piece that... Um, I don't think they can um, compensate for if he leaves right now. Um, and what would be sad is if they added a guy like Hopkins after they lose Diggs, you know, and it would be like kind of rubbing salt in the wound for Diggs at that point if that's what happened. Um, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think that I think what's happening here is that it, it's it's that Diggs probably didn't like that Josh Allen didn't go to him at the end of, you know, in a key moment. Yep. Um, and you got to remember if I, you know, the, when I look at the beginning of the season last year against LA, Diggs had a number of key down and distance situations where he got matched up one-on-one -on -one against Jalen Ramsey and he delivered. And so you've got to understand that players like Diggs, um, you know, whether it's a, a Mike Evans or any top receiver, Justin Jefferson, um, guys like that, they are normally used as matchup players. Players who on third and 14, the defense is, knows what route the runner, the, the receiver's going to run. They put their best guy on them and 
the quarterback still throws it, targets that top receiver anyway, and the receiver often wins it. And Diggs has made a living doing that. So when it comes to, we've gotten to this moment, and you're not doing this with me, that's like that's like not giving Michael Jordan the ball at the end of a, you know, in the winning minutes of the fourth quarter, winning seconds of the fourth quarter at the end of a game when everybody knows what's happening and you know that he's going to have the matchup he needs to, to, to take the shot. And I think that's where a lot of these wide receivers feel that that's their job. And when you're that close and it doesn't happen, I can see how frustrated he is. And there was probably other things that happened during the season. There are probably other instances that he knew about that he was frustrated with. And it probably wasn't the first time. It was probably just the most important time that it occurred. Mm -hmm. So could they consider trading Stefan Diggs? I think it's a possibility, and I'll say this is why. You know, looking at a guy like Khalil Shakir, he's the only guy on the roster right now that could replace Stefan Diggs as in terms of what he can do physically. He's an outside, he's a receiver who can play all three positions outside and inside. He has the route running capability and he's gained the trust of Josh Allen last year with a lot of key plays, even if they're in um, just in smaller volume. And when interviewed, this year there's a lot of talking up of what Shakir has done and that he's earned the trust of Allen and Allen says he can play all three he knows both outside positions I'm not sure what his role is going to be this year but I think he could have a big year well there's two reasons for that one is that Dalton Kincaid um, will likely be playing the slot role and the fact that they're talking about the outside roles for Diggs means well Diggs is a better mat. I'm not Diggs, but Shakir is a better matchup player one on one than Gabriel Davis, who is better against zone and better being that third option or the guy who they scheme open with some kind of constraint play that leaves him open against the zone that everyone thinks the ball was going somewhere else. Um, so, you know, Davis isn't that Diggs replacement or that heir apparent. It's the only guy on the roster right now is Shakir. Or, to an extent, Kincaid, because Kincaid is going to be that matchup weapon from the slot and maybe a little bit outside. So that's that means to me that if they trade what Allen is saying is, well, if Diggs doesn't play, then Shakir's going to be the replacement we have right now on paper unless we get a veteran. Um, and so I would say, are they considering it? I think if they see enough from Kincaid and Kincaid's looked like every bit the player they, they thought when they traded up to get him, um, it may very well happen. Um, I don't know what that means for their, uh, for their outlook deep into the playoffs this year. It just depends <clears throat> on how, how much Shakir can step up. And I think it's a tall order, even as much as I'm bullish on Diggs to say, I mean, on Khalil, Khalil Shakir to say, oh, he's the next Stefan Diggs. I think it might be a year or two away that might put them back a year, um, at least, even if Shakir turns out to be a really good player. Yeah, for the record, uh, Denver-based insider Benjamin Albright has suggested the Bills would privately consider trading Diggs if the right offer comes along. I think Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk said it well when he said, look, when you acquire a disgruntled player from another team, don't be surprised if you become the next team he's disgruntled with. Uh, all those things are true, and all those things uh, 
I'll be saying fuck it as long as he's on the roster uh, come week one. It's going to be a fine season. Whatever investment you've made in him will not be thrown away. James Cook believes he's a running back one, Matt. Feel it or fuck it. Ooh. I'm going to – the jury's still out, but I'm leaning a little more towards fuck it, um, even though I really liked him last year. Um I'll say this. They're going to give him every opportunity because Damian Harris is the Mason Dixon line for, um, you know, starting running backs, if you ask me. Like, good starting running backs. Um, you know, so they've got a guy just good enough that if the, the Cook experiment doesn't work, Harris can do the job. But Cook adds that, you know, that big playability. And if he can prove he's a little more Chris Johnson than he is, you know, gadget player then, yeah, you might have something there. And I do like how he sets blocks up. I like how he sees the field. He certainly catches the ball well. Um, it's whether he can hold up as an, you know, in between the tackles with the volume that a num an RB1 should get. That's the big question. And <clears> I would say he's got to prove it to me. So I'd say fuck it right now. I'm feeling it on somebody else's roster. Uh, <laughs> Noah Brown uh, played with Dak Prescott. Uh, prior to his arrival in Houston this year, signed there as a free agent. He says C.J. Stroud could be better than one Dak Prescott. You go to fuck it. No, Brown is an Ohio State alum. C.J. <laughs> Brown is an Ohio. C.J. Stroud is an Ohio State alum. Uh, yeah, fuck <laughs> that. Okay, I. I'll well, say no, this. but I mean, is that upside not there based the on upside, the draft capital expended? I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. From a fantasy perspective, he could be better than Dak Prescott in the same way that um, Kirk Cousins has been better than Dak Prescott uh, from given one year to the other, depending on what year it is. I would say Stroud could be close enough. I don't know if he's – I don't think he's as mobile as people want to believe in that Ohio State-Georgia fever dream that they saw um, through, you know, Scarlet Lens – that that Stroud showed something extra that he never showed anywhere before. I think that they romanticized that a bit when I look at the film. I think Stroud could be a pretty darn good quarterback. He could be a more consistent quarterback than Dak Prescott. <clears throat> so yeah, I I'll say I'll, I'll say I'm feeling the possibility, but um, but I'm still betting on Prescott for the next couple of years, maybe three. I think that's a fair bet. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, apparently better at being at a coordinating Aaron Rodgers' offenses than he is at head coaching, uh, believes the Jets will get the best out of Rodgers. This is a four-time MVP. Uh, I mean, to me, that's the best. I mean, if you're getting the best of Aaron Rodgers, you're getting MVP-level play. Are you feeling the New York Jets getting an MVP-level Aaron Rodgers this year? I would, I would feel better if they say the Jets expect to get the best out of its offensive line, and then the the MVP level play from Aaron Rodgers would just kind of fall into place. The fact that we're not talking about this offensive line and all we're talking about is Aaron Rodgers is fuck that. I think Aaron Rodgers will be good, but I also think that um, there's a high degree of risk that Aaron Rodgers will have some sort of calf injury by midseason because of the fact that that offensive line has him running for his life. I have one of those. It hurts really bad and it lingers for a really long time. Uh, Aaron Rodgers believes, Matt, uh, that it is a legit possibility, this is a quote, that Garrett Wilson will be the best receiver at the NFL at some point in his career. You feel it or fuck it? I feel that idea. I, I do. I think, it, I think that Wilson was good enough coming out pre-draft that you could see how that happens. He has the... <laughs> 
he has the release skills that he could develop into a Devontae Adams type player. And and are you going to argue that Devontae Adams is not one of the best wide receivers in the league? I, I don't I don't think anybody could argue against that. All right, Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator of the Steelers, much maligned, but still the offensive coordinator of the Steelers. Uh, express the belief that Kenny Pickett is heading in the right direction. Are you feeling that yourself? Yeah, I'm feeling that. I just don't know whether he's heading there fast enough or he's going to cover enough ground to do that. I mean, Turtles head in the right direction too. It doesn't mean that they they get there before the sun boils their uh, their you know their shells. I don't know, but um, whatever it is. Let me let me um, rephrase yeah. it. Kenny Pickett is a is a is a quarterback two in uh, two quarterback leagues. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I the, this offense is weird because we just don't know. There's so many potential weapons, but we don't know where it's all going to turn out. And I think one of those things we're going to talk about, you know, down the line, I'm sure. But you know, I look at even people are talking about Jalen Warren like he's a thing, <laughs> and, you know. And I'm I'm interested in that that because uh i'm gonna go back and watch some of his film i think just to see what people are talking about in terms of last year alan robinson thinks he can get his career back on track in pittsburgh are you feeling that or fucking is the career essentially over for alan robinson muhammad ali thought he had a chance against larry holmes and you know trevor burbick i think and every other boxer and you know every other athlete kind of feels that way if the if the foot injury he had last year was bothering him before he left the field and we didn't know that, then maybe there's an excuse for that because he is a really good route runner. Patrick Peterson has said some good things about that his route running and, and that that should be something that they should leverage this year. But I remember people talking about Julio Jones last year and how good he looked. I was one of them, you know, and there were, there, you know, there's a, I don't know if Robinson is at that level of toast. Um, I just don't know if he's. I just don't know if he's his head's in the game. That's going to yeah. be an interesting part with what we've seen for the past couple of years. I'll I'll be willing to be based on his draft capital. I would say I'd be willing to to take a bet on him because it's it's pretty much disposable at this point. I feel like he fell off a cliff like a running back, but he's not alone in that, says Kenny Galladay. Yeah, me, me. Uh, so, I mean, I guess it, it can't happen, right, to, yeah. in, in, in any position. So we'll see. Uh, Elton uh, Jenkins I saw on the NFL Network this morning talking up a couple of the Packers rookies, uh, in particular Luke Musgrave at tight end and Jaden Reed at wide receiver. He thinks both will play big roles. He says, man, I was looking at Luke Musgrave and Jaden Reed a lot. Our weapons, they have some serious, serious speed. Are you feeling Musgrave and Reed as contributors this year? Um, kind of fuck Musgrave because I think that there's going to be in there's going to be other weapons that are going to be higher priorities than him. He'll have some feel it moments, but fuck it overall. I'm totally feeling Jay, um, Jalen Reed. I think you know the the wide receiver coach basically told Reed on and off the field. Reed reminds him of Randall Cobb, and I thought. Reed reminded me of a Stefan Diggs starter kit who could play inside, outside, all positions. He start, he's splitting time with Samori Ture and OTAs, but Ture to me <clears throat> is probably not at the point of development um, heading coming into the league that Jaden Reed is right now. Um, I think Reed is going to be one of the um, is going to be the best wide receiver on that team within a couple of years. 
maybe neck and neck with Christian Watson. I feel almost every Packers uh, receivers question is a Jordan Love question right now. Yep. I'm, you know, and and so like, and I'm still open minded to this. I think he's a tremendous value. Obviously, getting very late sometimes outside the quarterback two price, and I feel like that's a gamble I'm willing to take as a third quarterback right now. Like, and sometimes a second quarterback. I believe the Packers know enough about this to have made a move away from. Did I mention Aaron Rodgers, a four-time MVP? Let's, I don't know that yeah. I don't know that you walk away from a quarterback without without at least thinking you have the next guy there. And so I'll go ahead and put a little bit of stock into what they think about the situation and all the pieces they're assembling around him uh, that he's going to grow with. Let's add this one last little thing about it, Jordan Love. If you don't trust Jordan Love to be um, to really lead the Packers at, to a high level or this defense to play at a high level then look at the Detroit Lions for the past couple of years yep. and realize that they're going to be in game scripts where defenses are going to give the middle of the field to the quarterback and, and there's going to be a lot of garbage time or close moments where they just are trying to drive down the field with protracted drives. And guess who gets a lot of those touches? The the slot receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown. <clears throat> well, Jaden Reed could be that Amon Ross St. Brown type of producer for fantasy this year and next. Speaking about a guy who played the slot or can play outside, Elijah Moore uh, shows up in Cleveland, the former Jet. He's generating a lot of buzz. Are you feeling Elijah Moore uh, playing with Deshaun Watson alongside Amari Cooper and uh, and uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones? Yes, because I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is basically Demarcus Robinson and Chris Conley for fantasy. I think, you know, he's reached his ceiling. I don't think it's going to get any higher. I don't think it has to do with his ability and potential. I think it just has you know, physically or, or as skill wise, I just think that that's where that's as far as he's going to go probably in terms of what he has to offer, um, how he views the game. I think Elijah Moore, on the other hand, has a burning mm-hmm. desire to show the jets that they really fucked up by <laughs> not using him to the level that he was sk- skilled enough to be. And I think Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims both, probably have massive chips on their shoulders and Moore's the lucky one to escape and will probably mm. get a, a real shot. I don't think they're going to Anthony Schwartz him in, right. in Cleveland because Anthony Schwartz didn't have the ability that Moore does. Moore can be a gadget player and a matchup player and we're going to see him probably be the number two producer in that passing game this year. Yeah, you say chip on his shoulder. That dude's been straight up pissed off now for about like 12 months. So uh, I'm looking forward to see what he can do in this offense. And I have some expectations uh, for how this offense is going to look, maybe a little different, uh, given the investment in one Deshaun Watson, who who has a full year now, uh, you know, to get acclimated to the offense and come back. And I think they'll figure things out. So one last one here, Uh, Matt, I know you have some recent experience, so I'm going to throw this to you. Michelin star restaurants, feel them or fuck them? Totally feeling them. And I would say this, if you're, you know, if you're one of those people who just is like, you know, I'm not going to pay for this artsy fartsy looking food that's <laughs> served in little plates. You know, you come from Pittsburgh or something like that. It, you, you know, I got to make fun of my Pittsburgh brothers. You know, um, out there blue, but... you know, exactly. But uh, but seriously, like the amount of money that you, you probably spend all year on like fast food and and, you know, or you know, 20, 30, 40, $50 meals at a, at a sit down restaurant. That's like basically a chain restaurant. If you save some of that money, you know, by, you know, saved a fair enough amount of that money and just decided one time we're going to go to a Michelin, you know, to a restaurant like of that type of level or approaching that level, 
um, to experience what it's about, I would highly recommend that you do so because there's it's it's about craft. You know, it's great craft. You can see that you taste the difference. The the experience is is awesome. The ingredients, every, every the, damn part, the creativeness of what they do. It's it, it's well worth the experience. Um, you know, it'll be a long time probably before we do. We went to a couple of them in San Francisco, um, and this this uh, this vacation we went to the French Laundry and we went to Cezanne, which were you know two of the finer restaurants on the planet. And <clears throat> I would say it'll probably be a while before we get to do that again. I'm going to prepay for my next five years uh, yeah. rookie scouting portfolio to help the cause. Right I, 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 it may not even offset, <laughs> you know. But like, um, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. It was worth it. It's it's definitely a bucket list type of experience to do, <clears throat> and uh, I would say totally feeling it if you, you know, if you make the effort to to make it something that doesn't that when you decide to put the dent in your wallet that you've planned for it. I've done it myself. Totally agree. Feeling it as well. Also feeling that the thirty fourth edition of the Fantasy Football Pro Forecast is. Oh, out on the be that. Matt Waldman's big rookie article is in there. It's fantastic. Yeah, but stuff in there. It's all the other people that got all the great work that we got going on. And then the edit, the edit, the masterful editing by Bob Harris. And the uh, work that he's got on there. You know. <laughs> all right. So go check that out. Go to footballdiehards.com. Uh, use the promo code diehards to get 15% off anything you need there. And go to the rookie scouting portfolio, mattwalman.com, to find all the latest there. If you haven't been purchasing, you should be. I'm Bob Harris. I'm signing off for Matt Walman. Love you. Goodbye. Love you. Bye.